to Work, Play, Obsession, a podcast about life and jiu-jitsu, where each week we'll be taking a look at the latest competition scene results, as well as interviews and roundtable discussions about the jiu-jitsu lifestyle and self-defense. Don't forget to go to workplayobsession.blogspot.com for in-depth news and analysis, as well as bonus training techniques. Welcome back to another edition of Work, Play, Obsession, Life and Jiu-Jitsu. I'm your host. This week, uh, I'll prep you guys ahead of time. It's just going to be me on the show. Next week, though, we're planning for some some guest speakers on. Uh, I'm shooting to have some of the PAN competitors from this area come in and sit down and talk about their uh, results from the PANs coming up this week. So I'm going to lead off with that. It's IBJJF Pan American Jiu-Jitsu Championship Week. It's the time for all those hopefuls to go out there and gain some experience leading into Worlds. Uh, Worlds, for those of you that don't know, also known as the Mundials, the most prestigious uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament in the world. I think Lloyd Irvin recently did a a really good uh, segment on Facebook Live on the values of being a world champion uh, through uh, the wickets of the IBDJF uh, worlds through the Mundials. If you truly want to consider yourself a world champion, the accreditation lies through the podium at the IBJJF Worlds uh, coming up this year. But back to what I was saying, this week is PANS. All right, pretty excited. I uh, have a couple teammates traveling out there this year. Got my fingers crossed. We've been training hard. They've been training hard. I've been training hard sporadically, uh, almost like uh uh, the sprinters out there, I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit, but they've been training really hard. Uh, before I forget, if you're not traveling out uh, to the Worlds, you can watch the entire event live on flowgrappling.com. Um, that's where I'm going to be watching, cheering for my buddies. I believe it's a uh, uh, subscription, for gra- flowgrappling.com, and you can watch uh, all the events for the for the pans this weekend. So uh, two things I want to cover on the show today. This week I want to talk about uh, personal standards and behaviors with regards to training while sick and with regards to visiting other academies. So um, why do I want to talk about those things? Well, to begin with, uh, you guys can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little under the weather right now. Uh, so that's what made me think about, hey, what, do, what, what are the other people out there doing uh, while they're sick? Are they bringing that stuff to the mats, to their teammates? Are they taking a couple days off and feeling miserable? Or, or, or how do they handle that situation? So uh, right now um, I'm currently battling, I don't know, an illness I've had for about three days. Not really an illness, it's more like a cold, but I know that I have teammates going out to PANS next week, so I did not want to bring that into the gym and potentially uh, risk getting one of those guys or gals who's been training so hard over the course of the last uh, few months, few years, however long it's been, um, to prepare for this competition only to get brought down by the uh, the common cold. So one of my things is as a courtesy, um, when I'm feeling uh, the fever come on or a lot of congestion, I will stay off the mats. I like to attend classes and, and take pictures because I'm also a photographer in my, in my spare time, but I do not like to bring that onto the mats. I've been on the mats with plenty of teammates who probably should not have been there because they don't take the same approach to training. But um, curious to get some feedback from you guys on, on how you deal with it and what are your, your red lines, so to speak, 
on uh, when you are not going to train. In fact, I was joking with one of my buddies today. He was putting on a seminar today, and it's the second seminar that he's had that I've been sick for, so I couldn't attend. Uh, the first one I went to, and I, took, I captured pictures for the event. And this one today, I was just pretty much down and out. But I was joking with him, saying, "Hey, I think I think the jujitsu gods uh, uh, hate me." Because when I had the opportunity to go to a local seminar, they put me down with the common cold. So uh, it's just one of those things. But I'd like to hear about how you guys approach uh, training. Like I said, what's your red line? When do you say, I'm not going to go in today uh, because I feel like shit or because I don't want to uh, put this upon my teammates? So um, just hit me up, whether it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Workplay Obsession, Life in Jiu-Jitsu Facebook page, uh, Workplay Obsession, Instagram. Uh, Let me know uh, what you guys are thinking on that. Moving forward to visiting other academies, this is to me this is a, a very interesting topic, uh, something that people talk about a lot. When do they go for open mats? Uh, when can you go to do drop-in training? Does your professor allow you to visit other schools and train? What do you do if you're a uh, a businessman, a traveling businessman, or a soldier who has to deploy or go somewhere for a period of time? How do you how do you adjust to training? Do you do you take the time off? Do you get permission from your instructor to train somewhere else? Does your instructor tell you, hey, there's a school X in this location who's taught by my old friend or an affiliate academy, and you can only go to that academy? Um, interested to hear some of your feedback on that. But uh, I just want to talk about some of my my personal beliefs on, on that situation and, and two specific um, subtopics of that category with visiting other academies. So... Um, one thing that, that I found interesting is I'm in the market for a new gi right now, right? So I have uh, a couple shout-outs. I have Armor Kimonos and Lanky uh, Fight Gear at the top of my list for, for these two new for these new gis I'm, I'm, I'm looking out to get. But my question was, hey, which which what color gi am I going to buy? I'm a blue gi guy. I like to wear blue gis. Um, but going into this visiting other academies, I told myself, hey, I need to have always, I need to always have a white gi uh, available, ready to go in case I visit. Uh, another academy, and and that's the safe route. So I'm interested to hear about some of you guys. What's what's your opinion on that? I always travel uh, to a an academy that I'm visiting with a white gi, unless it's not my first time there, and unless I know for sure I can wear a different color gi. I've been to places where all the students wear white, and the instructors wear black. Uh, I've been to places where everyone wears white. Uh, places where your gi top and bottom don't have to match. I mean, it's pretty much run the gamut. Nowadays, with with uh, social media, it's a little bit easier to kind of be an internet stalker and check out the school ahead of time and see what everyone's wearing. But I still think, as a common courtesy to that academy, you show up with with a white gi, and it, you're pretty much in a scenario where you can't, uh, you, you won't be wrong either way. So that's a piece of advice from me. But uh, like I said, it's my personal opinion. It it may just be a a, a good uh, kind of practice uh, to take up and to incorporate into your travels, but. Um, just want to hear what some other people think about that. Like I said, always travel with a white gi out of town. Um, also on that, I won't wear a gi with my, uh, gym affiliation largely plastered on that gi. Um, and this is not for a one-time drop-in. This is if I'm going for, let's say, uh, a month or two or three weeks and I know I'm going to train at another academy. Once again, this is just one of my other personal things. I don't like to show up at someone else's gym and and almost have my advertising for my gym all over the place. Um, technically, I, I don't think it's really a big deal. Um, I think a lot of people do it. I think it's great advertising for your school. But um, in my mind, as a courtesy, 
I go in there with a, with a plain white gi on and just leave it pretty much sterile for that, uh, for those engagements. And, and I don't know how the, you know, lead professor at that school would take that. You know, if you have a guy come in, I've been questioned many times, uh, Hey, that's a, that's a cool patch. You have uh, what school is that? Oh man. And then, and then you go out there and there's a bit of, uh, animosity from some of the people on the mats and even sometimes from the instructors, because, uh, let's say you have a guy that shows up from, from Alliance, right? Everybody knows who Alliance is. So they want to test themselves against this guy wearing this Alliance patch on, whether he is from Alliance headquarters or he's training at, you know, the smallest, uh, or he's trained at an Alliance three years ago and has a gi that still has a patch on it. And he's, he hasn't really trained there ever again. You know, he just thought it was cool to buy the patch and to put it on. So you can also run into that. You run the risk of people, uh, that literally being a target on your back because of, uh, uh, the affiliation and the reputation that 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 school has it could be good or bad right that people can be uh, you could have someone on your team who's lost to the same guy from the same school in 30 different tournaments and now he sees you come in with that patch and he's he's got a target on uh, you're you're his target now because he keeps losing to to Billy Bob from your school and he wants to take it out on you so another piece of my uh, word of wisdom that I like to go by is you know white gee kind of sterile, minimal patching. Now, brand names is different, right? Because brand names can be, uh, everybody can shop at a brand name, you know, show your role, um, lanky armor, um, whatever it is, fight to win, flow globe whatever the patch is, BJJ Globetrotters. Um, that's, that's open to everybody. So those, those patches, I, you know, I wouldn't really consider in the same category as wearing, you know, uh, one of the bigger school, uh, Academy name patches on your gear. But like I said, once again, that's just my personal opinion. Um, and you, you can take it or leave it, but, uh, moving on to, um, visiting other academies and talking about approach to sparring, right? Everyone gets approached differently when they visit an academy, right? I, I, I like to say, Hey, purple bell and above, if you're visiting academy, of course, you're going to have a target on your back. Once again, going back to the patches, if you're coming from a highly respected academy, you're going to have a target on your back. Everyone sees that as their opportunity to uh, gain some bragging rights against that academy or that level belt from a different academy or test themselves against someone that's new. And and there's always that, that kind of uh, feeling in or environment in the room when you get there, right? So what I, what I try to do is um, I don't really seek someone out, you know, I kind of let them seek, seek me out and um, I'm kind of in the, my approach is always, I will roll, I will spar roll at the intensity of the person that is on the mat that I'm rolling with. Um, some people can't do that. And I, I think that that's actually one of those markers that, that indicates a person's progression in jujitsu. If you go out and you always go, uh, 100 miles an hour and you just steamroll everybody or you could lose but you're going 100 miles an hour you're not controlling the the pace and the technique and truly uh using uh the art form and it's in its truest uh intent so i will go out and i'll approach it and i'll roll at the intensity of the person i'm with if i get a spastic white belt that's just going ape shit then i'm gonna crank it up a little bit and then probably throw on a couple submissions and that, that usually calms them down uh, to a certain degree. But I'm not going to go out there for a blue belt or a purple belt since I'm at the purple belt level and go at 100 miles an hour. I'm going to start probably, I like to start in the 60s or 70s and then kind of ramp my way up based off of, uh, off of the feel or the vibe of the flow. 
So with that being said, though, I don't want people to confuse that with, hey, just go there and kind of, you know, flop out. Because at the same time, at the end of the day, you are representing your academy, right? It's going to come out eventually during your stay there where, where you're from in conversation or or whatever. And people are going to judge your academy based off of um, based off of your performance. So like I said, I will keep it at the intensity of the guy I'm with, but my intention is always to, to dominate them because I want to leave there with them saying, hey, I want to go visit that school or I want to train at that school or, oh, I've heard of so-and-so from that school. So if my opponent's rolling at 50%, I'm still rolling at 50%, but technical level that I'm still better than them or that's my intent. Obviously, if I'm rolling with a, a black belt who's rolling at 70% and I'm rolling at probably 90% to keep up with their 70% or maybe, you know, 92%, um, I'm still going to be doing the best that I can not to uh, make my school look, not make my academy not look bad. So um, my main point is roll to the level of your competition. That's that's one for safety uh, and and reputation of your academy and of your training. And it's just a, a, a general rule that makes you come out as the bigger person. Um, and if you have friends that, that you realize they, they have a trouble de- doing that, you know, speak to them. Tell them, hey, as you progress through the ranks, especially if they're upper level blue belt or above, and talk to them about being able to roll at the, at the level of their opponent, right? The worst thing you could have is uh, upper level blue belt or purple belt that's uh, training with a guy who it's his first or second uh, weeks of classes and they don't know how to roll at his intensity and they're you know, they hurt the guy or they just uh, create this environment of, of where people don't want to come back. And that's really more of a business perspective than a than a, a competition team uh, perspective, um, because we we all know that when you when we dive into the competition realm, that's a whole different beast. Um, when you dive into the competition realm, a lot of that shit I just said goes completely out the window. And when it's competition season, it's 100 percent, 100, 100 percent of the time. And that's for uh, your own good. And for the good of your teammates. So, but that's a different that's a different story for uh, a different day. Um, so, staying with that approach to rolling, right? How many people out there have dealt with being the guy visiting the gym and nobody wants to roll with you? You know how 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 depressing is that, right? So, I've dealt that I've dealt that with that a lot. And I'm not saying it's because I'm any good. I'm just saying it's because it's a it's a thing that people do, right? Um, people people that have ego issues or question their own capabilities will tend to not want to roll with you. And don't take that as a knock, but where the issue is, is if you have a, a, a few guys that are the same level as you belt wise, don't want to train with you. You get stuck with the spastic white belt. And now there's a potential that you're going to get injured because no matter what, no matter what Academy you visit, the white belt is going to want to roll with you. Okay. No matter what, because they're a white belt and they just want to test themselves no matter what, you have no idea how spastic they are Spastic they are, and the fact that no one else in their own academy even wants to roll with them. That guy's always going to be there. That guy's always going to want to roll with you, and he's always, uh, you always have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, they're there, and there's a potential for you, for you to get hurt. So you gotta, you got to pay attention to that. But then also watch the, the same level belt guys and upper belt guys that won't want to train with you, you know. If you do happen to see a guy that's kind of trying to shirk away from you and then eventually you get matched up with him, be, I, I say uh, stay on the side of technical. 
right? They already have an ego, an ego issue, as you can see, because they didn't want to, they want to roll you in the first place. But just if you dominate them technically, that makes it even worse for them and better for you. Like you just went so technical and they, and you and they're like completely dominated and they're just like, oh fuck, you know. So let them shy away, let them make excuses, uh, and then be completely technical. And then that way, there's nothing that comes back on you. I've, I've, I've been to a school before, a funny story, where I went there, I was a blue belt at the time. Um, I thought I was being pretty technical, probably wasn't. You know, I was probably, I was probably trying to survive, actually, because I was out of shape at the time and suffering. And But I literally went through, and this is not me trying to sound better than I actually am. I'm just telling, telling the story. But I went through all the people, pretty much all the people at the gym. And then the instructor comes out. And he proceeds to just destroy me for about eight minutes. I have idea. I have no idea how many times I I tap during that time. But I did have the opportunity to see the students on the side all laughing. So every one of the every one of the students there that I had completely dominated and crushed their egos thought it was funny that uh, the instructor, who probably took a hit to his pride, that his students sucked compared to me. Uh, he took it out on me uh, physically. So. Not a big deal to me. It was kind of like a, it was like a success story to me where I was like, ah, it's pretty funny that this guy felt so bad about the performance of his students that he tried to take it out on me. It's just one of those things, but you have to also, there's just another thing to be cognizant of that's out there. Okay. If you go into an academy and you treat the students poorly, there is a, chances are there is someone that's better than you there and they will make you pay. Um, one cool thing about the place where I train, i uh, give a little shout out to my professor, is that no matter how he feels that day, he he trains with people that visit our school. I think that's uh, a testament to the type of person he is and to the type of academy that he's uh, helping build and to uh, the character that he's trying to instill in his students. Um, I've seen him in class literally days where he was injured and probably shouldn't have been on the mat and he would train with black belts or brown belts that are visiting from other academies because he felt that it was his his duty to train with those with those visitors for the day i mean it's just it's just something that speaks volumes to the type of person that uh that he is where i've been to places where even as me as a purple belt i've had instructors not want to train with me for fear of being embarrassed in front of their students. And like I said, I'm not trying to talk about my abilities at all. I'm just talking about the situation, the scenario, and um, how I looked at it and how it reflects upon um, the instructor. So that way, when you get to that level uh, or you experience that, you'll remember, you say, oh, I heard about this before. And I, he was exactly right. I've seen this before. I, I'm not going to take it personal. I'm just going to let it go, keep driving, and, and, and move on, you know? So... Um, another piece of that, I saw this on uh, social media the other day, uh, where an instructor was extremely upset with one of his students because he saw him in a group photo at an open mat at a different academy. Interesting. I don't know how to approach that. Um, I take photos pretty much everywhere I go. I like to put them on the Workplay Obsession Life and Jiu-Jitsu uh, Facebook page or the work, Workplay Obsession Instagram page. So I love to take pictures. I love to take them uh, in the group setting. But that's a good question. I mean, how many other people out there would consider it rude 
to take a photo with another group of people that that you're just dropping in for an open matter. You don't belong to the school. Uh, personally, I don't see anything wrong with that. I tend to stay, you know, in the back, in the corner or something like that if I'm at someone else's academy. But uh, I've heard of schools where they don't, it's frowned upon to do that. So it's interesting. And then uh, final thing on this, uh, before I move on to one other, one other separate topic is competition season, right? So what happens during a major tournament when you close out a division with someone who's not your teammate, but he's one of your open mat partners? Very interesting, right? So we've all seen it at Pans or at Worlds. Of course, it's that time of year again, where you have two guys from a big school, let's say an alliance, uh, where they would close out a division or even at a, a IBJJF open somewhere like a New York open or a Boston open or a Chicago open where you have two guys from the same academy and the highest ranking guy there, kind of the presiding guy of the team will say, hey, this guy's going to be first. This guy's going to be second. Well, how do you approach that very same scenario if, let's say, um, you're, you train at Alliance, your best friend trains at uh, Atos, but you guys train every Saturday and Sunday together for open mat. So here you are two completely separate schools, right? But you're good, good buddies on the rest of the other time. And that's the guy that's helped you pretty much helped you along with your team, your formal team, get to the level that you are. Do you go back to your coach and say, Hey coach, we're going to flip a coin because this guy's my good friend. Or do you just say, Hey, it's time to, to put it all on the line and you just say for this particular match, this particular 6, 8, 10 minutes, uh, we're competitors, we're athletes, let's do it and then we'll have a beer afterwards. Um, interesting right now because I, I actually do train uh, on Sundays with guys outside of the, my normal gym, my, te- my normal team that I do all the rest of the training with um, and in this particular uh, upcoming month, a lot of the guys I train with at Open Mat are going to be at the same competition, uh, New York Open, that I will more than likely be competing at as well. Um, none of my friends are, none of us are the same uh, weight and belt level, so I, this particular scenario won't play out, unless of course we were in like open weight class and some of us moved around in age groups, but uh, different story. But there is always that chance of that happening, right? So who makes that decision? Do the athletes make the decision? Do the coaches make the decision? Because, of course, your team wants points to be the highest team. You know, you, the individual, you may not care whether you're gold or silver, you know, at the blue, purple, brown level. But at the higher levels, you need, I, I believe, the point structure. You get more points for, for position. Maybe not. But if, if you do, then you need those points. So how do you decide who seeds uh second or first place or who gets second place you know i'm pretty interested to hear some of your guys uh perspectives on that and if you guys have ever been in that scenario before not closing out a division with an actual teammate like an alliance guy and an alliance guy but closing out a division with a friend from a completely different school who you've just trained with uh open mats all the time so a really good friend close friend Uh, i think that's a pretty interesting scenario and then finally, talking about competition season and wrapping up the part about being ill, all of this because this is my, my, I call it my pan special edition, is considering what your place is on the team and what are your contributions to the academy or to the, to the academy's competition success. Let's call it that. Um, the reason why, why I bring this up 
It's not because I am a top level competitor and I think everyone should train to make me uh, do better and be on the top of the podium. It's actually the exact opposite because I am a master's three uh, mid tier guy, (laughs) but I feel where do you or how much do you do you put it on the line to help make your teammates better? You know, what what do you consider your place on the team? Are you just a I hate this word, but are you just a hobbyist who comes in because you wrestled in high school and you like the camaraderie and you like to be able to still do takedowns and 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 do duck unders and, and grapple? Or are you a competitor who's no matter what age group, master adult, master one through five, whatever it is, and you want to be at the top of the podium? Or is it because you like this, the camaraderie and the teamwork and you see yourself as a key element of building the team? Um, and we have to evaluate that, right? Because that plays a significant part in training and it plays a significant part in how other people are going to interact with you, right? If I, if I am a uh, top-level competitor training for uh, Mundials, right, I'm not going to go and smash uh, somebody. It could be the same belt level, but non-competitor slash hobbyist who's just there for his, uh, not to be taken the wrong way, one or two classes for the week. I say this because uh, I was dealing with an injury recently. I'm probably about 90% right now, but I, I knew that my teammates were going into competition season, into pans. So I said, hey, injury aside until these guys leave, right? So I know that I can give, let's say if we have a day where there's five guys or gals there that are going to pants, I can spar with all five of those guys at with my best effort, 100% effort, and then call it a day after that because I know I'm injured to the point where I don't want to just roll with everybody. So I'm making sort of a personal sacrifice for the sake of the team, let's say, because I feel that that's my role as a teammate. I feel like my contribution to the team is being the most difficult sparring partner that they can have um, for their training. I equate that to the guy who's the rabbit on the one mile, right? So when they uh, when they were trying to break the four-minute mile, a lot of guys would use that rabbit that go out there and run you know, one lap at 100% effort to keep the pace for that guy that was trying to break the four-minute mile and then fall off. You know, that's That's kind of my approach where I'm not in the adult, age group and I'm not in the elite level where I'm training uh, two or three times a day, six days a week, but I feel like I'm in good enough shape. I'm, I'm tall, I'm lanky, and I feel like I'm just technical enough uh, to present enough of the challenge to benefit these guys. I mean, don't get me wrong, every role they get benefits them. However, there are times when you can see where they're not getting pushed the push they need. I mean, that's the reason why people run gauntlets, right? And they throw a different person in every minute, every two minutes, every three minutes, because they know that they need to push that those competitors a little bit harder than, than the non-competitors. So I say all this to say, take a step and evaluate or, or consider to yourself, hey, what do I consider my personal role on the team? And when I, how is my approach to training? Am I the guy that's in the room joking with my partner or to use a military term, smoking and joking with my partner while we're drilling, drilling at 70% intensity? Am I the guy who does two reps of the of the drill and then say, well, what if my opponent holds my left leg to the side? Now this doesn't work. Let me try to do this barambolo to omoplata instead. 
and kind of ru- not ruining, but slowing down the pace of class? Um, or are you there with a focus to be the best teammate slash sparring partner for that guy or gal on your team as they prepare for competition? Because whether anyone admits it or not, they need, there's no I in team. They need you there to help push them. And they appreciate you being there. Um, they know that the uh, extra time and commitment that you put in with them has also helped them grow as well. So uh, for those of you out there who, who don't really see or haven't really felt your contribution to the team or you think that, oh, these guys are competing all the time and I'm not, so I'm less of a, a, I have less value as a teammate, that's not necessarily the case. So just evaluate that and think about it and say, hey, when I show up and I'm rolling with so-and-so who's training for Mundials, give them a hard time. Don't Obviously, don't try to hurt them, but make them work. Because six minutes of them not having to work is a wasted six minutes for that person. Seven minutes, eight minutes. It is the bottom line. It is a waste of their time. And I've, I've felt that before where I'm like, why the fuck did I have to roll with this guy? Because it, there are times where you're... Your mad time is valuable. Okay, so um, evaluate that. Uh, kind of think about it, let it sink in. Throw it away, call it bullshit if you want. But just evaluate your role as a teammate and think about what you give back to the team. So there, I'm going to get off my soapbox uh, for that. But that's something that, that's uh, been on my mind lately. So what am I working on? So I'm working on the logo right now. Right now I'm working on an update to the logo. Um, friend of mine at the gym's helping me out. I really appreciate it, and hopefully I roll that out in a couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully that'll lead me into my next thing. Uh, once I get the logo, I'm going to work on some patches, and then further on down the line, I'm looking for athletes to sponsor, uh, potentially. Depends on how I can get this thing to go. So I know I'm working on bringing in uh, Alex Coleman back on the show, probably after Pants. Uh, she's awesome. She competed yesterday. Took uh, I think she did two divisions, took gold in one and silver in the other or something like that or maybe she just took silver in the one division she did that's that's probably more accurate um but it was her first competition at purple belt awesome awesome job um she's going out the pants i think she's going to kick ass i wish her good luck and i'm going to try to have her on the show next week uh to talk about her her train up prior to pants and then her results at the pants and i also have a, a few other people from the team that i'm looking at bringing on um going back to to looking for potential. Oh, other thing before I forget. Uh, tournaments coming up, right? New York Open's coming up. Got a bunch of guys that are, are training for that. Pretty cool to see some some friends and teammates training for that. I will probably be out there. More than likely be out there competing. If not, I'll be out there just kind of hanging out, cheering for my friends. But I, I hope to be out there competing. That That's my intent as of, as of right now. Also, that very same day, which is April 8th, excuse me, will be Shogun Fights. I have a couple teammates fighting on that card. That is uh, going to be a uh, great card, great MMA fights there. Uh, if you're in this local area, go ahead and look it up, buy your tickets, go ahead and attend. If you need tickets, hit me up on Instagram. I will put you in contact with one of the fighters fighting for the title, Jesse Stern. He can get you some discounted tickets. So if you need them, hit me up. I'll get you in touch with them and, uh, and we'll get you some, uh, some tickets for that event. Rumor is Claudia Gadelia is going to be there uh, doing autographs, signing an autograph booth. If you don't know who that is, go ahead and look her up on Instagram. She's she's pretty funny. She was on Ultimate Fighter. Uh, seems like a pretty good person. Be interested to sit down and talk to her for a little bit. Uh, 
get some autographs. And then uh, uh, Binky uh, is fighting as well. Um, he'll be on the Shogun card. And uh, Micah Terrell will also be on that card. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, a few guys that I've, that I've talked to or that I've trained with or that are, are, are big-time mentors to the children and to the community here in the DMV will be fighting on that card. So it'll be a great time. Uh, show your support, buy tickets, uh, and all that good stuff. And then finally... Uh, um, spread the word on Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, tell your friends, uh, the more listeners I get to tune in, the easier it is to expand. And ultimately I can give back to the community. So what are some of my goals? Some of my goals are to actually have sponsored athletes out there, uh, help them throw some little, throw some money their way. When it comes time to travel, comes time to, uh, sign up for tournaments, comes time to get a new gi. I love to be able to provide some support for that. Also to get out and do more interviews, get some more people recognized out there. So when it comes time to try to get uh, on some of those uh, professional uh, jujitsu fight cards, uh, you're already recognized and it's a priority to get you on that card. Right now, I know Fight to Win Pro is going to be here, I believe, April 8th in New Jersey, April 14th in Philadelphia. From what I saw, it was about 600 people signed up or applied and there's only 64 slots which would be 30 fights so 15 on each card so think about it if you have the ability to put yourself out there a little bit get a little bit of exposure whether it's on my podcast here work play obsession life and jiu-jitsu or any of the other podcasts out there i know dirty white belt's a big one um get yourself that recognition if you're trying to get those uh those professional fights make that money right and get your name get that notoriety out there so just some other things going on um aside from that not much else, man. I'm getting I'm ready to get over this cold, get back on the mats. I have like uh, one or two days left before everybody takes off for pants. I'm sure my guys are going to be training light, but I can at least be out there to do some to do some light drilling with them, uh, be, a, be a dummy for them before they head out. So that's probably all I have planned until the, uh, the next weekend coming up. So uh, thanks for dialing in. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep grinding. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Work, Play, Obsession, Life, and Jiu-Jitsu, and download our next episode. Also, feel free to visit our blog at workplayobsession.blogspot.com. There you'll find photos, videos, in-depth analysis, and more often than not, weird ramblings from yours truly. Up, until next time, keep grinding, train hard.